Welcome to Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. This podcast is a collection of historical and philosophical references, contemplations, lectures, and exchanges with David M. Valadez, his students, and guests. Podcasts are recorded on the mat at the Ascension Center in Southern California and in studio. These podcasts are provided to cultivate the warrior on the way and to add light to their path. Okay, uh, we're going to go on in the Ukemi talk. Um, some very common views of Ukemi is the one that you guys had last time, where it's kind of injury prevention, right? And we attributed that to our age, our secular material age. What I'm putting before you is that overlay of your world and your experience of the world with this, in essence, religious worldview. So up for grabs is whatever filter you use to experience the world. They're not all created equal. Many of them, especially of the modern secular kind, are very self-destructive. You need to be on guard, therefore, for how it creeps in, because it creeps in through your culture. The process by which you are reared with certain notions of truth, what here we'll call cultural fictions, and by which you adopt them to an at an unconscious level, makes it feel like there's only one way to experience the world. And so you experience it that way. So when you first see Ukemi, you see a way of taking a fall. And through the very practices by which you confirm your own cultural fictions, you look for those elements that make it seem inevitable to understand it and to do it in that way and that way only. Everything else gets excluded. But that's why we fall short in our ukemi. Because we don't ask it only to prevent injury. And in fact, many times we promise the opposite. There's no way to prevent the injury here. Not through a kind of dissemination of energy. Right? Some, some of you are always looking for a painless way. And you want me to tell you, oh, this is the painless way. But I've never told you that. 
Right? You go, how do you, how do you blend with the mat? Is how, how can I just be comfortable? That's not the point of training. So we have to understand ukemi in this broader sense, and we're going to uh, here go over it relatively quickly. But we'll add some practices because our intellectual understanding and the prioritization of that intellectual understanding is really part of our own modern cultural frictions. We, we don't really care if you understand it. I'll, I'll promise you the opposite. If you understand it, you likely will not be able to be it. So we're going to get some body practices and we're going to come to this overlay through your body. But as moderns, it's hard to let go of your intellect, so we'll give you a brief handrail. In Budo, ultimately, there's two energies. There's a separating energy and there's a unifying energy. And these, in, in terms of your internal aspects, these are represented through Kokyu and Aiki. It's through these energies that the universe becomes the universe. These energies are not energies just like electricity or the force. It is a complete division and integration of all aspects that you can look at and point to and guess at make up the universe. So they are in you. And they are in your art. So as a part of you or as you, they function at all levels of your being. So your material level, your body level, but also at what we would call your emotional or your psychological or your spiritual level. Those fuzzy areas of us that we're not quite sure how to define, but we know they exist. So the separating force, Kokyu, emotionally is connected to fear. And the unifying force, Aiki, is emotionally connected to love. But you can understand those in a dichotomous way. So you can say, Kokyu is a fear energy, a separating energy, and Aiki is a non-fear or a reconciliation of fear energy. And that's important because usually when we say love, we actually mean fear. We don't understand love in this way. We don't understand love in a unifying way. When you look at things energetically in terms of a unifying way, you are looking at 
a disappearance of singularity. Most times when we talk about love, we don't do that. Love is an, is an accumulation of things that lead to further singularity. It's not a disappearance of self. So when you look at your technique from the, the internal aspect of Aiki, there's no uke and there's no nage and there's no push and there's no pull. There's no you or them. And with it, space goes and time goes. Desire goes. Preference. Avoidance. All goes. That is the unifying energy. That is Aiki. And that is what we mean by love. You feel distance between you and your lover or differentiation between you and your lover. This is not your lover. The same can be applied to God. The God that is outside you, away from you, silent before you, is not God. So this can be then, kokyu can be about a manifestation of singularity and aiki about its disappearance. If you look deeper, there is a disorder aspect to kokyu and an order aspect to Aiki. So you can look at fear, singularity, which is division, do you see? Division, a you versus them. is the undoing of order, separation. Mendaiki is an order. This is the overlay with which you should understand ukemi. And this makes your ukemi, which we haven't described yet, the very art itself, the practice itself. Whether you get injured or not has nothing to do with this. So we start with a very simple order, a very simple unification of your body-mind. And this is necessary because the assumption is that you come in as a very disorganized person, a person subject to chaos a person taken by fear and enveloped 
by the darkness. So we're going to organize your body according to the patterns of the universe. We establish a center and a periphery. And this relationship between the center and the periphery is interdependent, it is codependent, and it is orbital in nature. So you can look at it as a relationship between the extremities of your body and the center of your body. And here the extremities are going to be your head, your arms, and your legs. And these things are ordered in such a way that those extremities never lose their relationship with each other around a center that they also never lose a relationship with. When you when you watch yourself and you lose this order, this organization, you will see that fear is present. It, it is not that you become afraid and you forget. It is that fear itself is a disorganizing force. Because these energies and, and the nature of organization and disorder and chaos work like this, your body practice is a kind of alchemy or a kind of pre-modern ritual by which you partake in the very construct of the universe and by which you gain agency and decide, am I of fear or of love? Am I of darkness or of light? Now, you can't get away from these two forces, but there is something you should know, and that is that you are a being of order. By design, many things have come together and unified themselves in you, and this is why light and love puts you more at ease, like a fish in water. Take the fish out of water, and it starts to panic, suffocate, and eventually die. So as a training, your art is first instructing you through this alchemy, but then testing you. In testing you for the sake of cultivating further this order, this light, this Aiki. So when you first come in, we're going to establish this relationship. There's, there's many barriers to it. Some are deep, deep 
wounds that sow this disorder in us very deep. Those have to be placed on the back burner. You have to get through the superficial things first. Sometimes it's just strength. The person is too weak. They're too weak. Even if they were emotionally or spiritually mature, they're too weak to maintain this physical order between their extremities and their center. So you you have to condition them. Sometimes they're too uncoordinated. They have lived too imbalanced a life, especially nowadays. Most people are just walking, talking brains. Their bodies are terrible. They have no coordination. Well, usually with strength and coordination, it's about repetitions. Repetitions will condition the body, and repetitions will bring the coordination they don't have. But this can take decades. It depends how much of a jargonite they've been. So your early exercises, so to speak, should target this conditioning and coordination. Conditioning and coordination. And you should back burner the introduction of fear or in other words, the means by which Aiki is further cultivated. You, you, have, you have to take that off the table. Does that make sense? So remember, the more the cultivation, the more the skill is needed. So the higher the degree of cultivation you seek, you're going to lose some people. They can't do it. The drill's beyond them. Okay. So these early drills seem very, very simple, but for some they're very, very difficult. But even for the advanced, they're drills you can return to and should all the time. You will, you will learn new things in them, okay? Because the advanced person can look at the drill from the spiritual component and observe the tiny traces of division, the tiny traces of chaos, the tiny traces of fear that are still there. Because they're always there. So let's start with the back breakfall. Look at it from the point of view of this religious overlay and this physical alchemy to sow order within you. We'll start with very, very simple, but not so simple, two drills that establish the relationship between your extremities and your center. Okay? Let's spread out. Okay, so again, it looks easy, but it's not so easy. Do you have any questions or comments on the drill? 
going on with a uh, lack of symmetry? I'm not sure that uh, it was my center triggering the lifting of the extremities, but if it was, then maybe three of the extremities came up, but not a fourth extremity. Um, I was wondering if there's something going on in there. Okay, so you want to side with the probability or not, maybe it's not even probability, it's just a pedagogical um, more of a pedagogical probability. So in the sense that I can't tell at the beginning what exactly is going on until I get enough strength and coordination issues out of the way. So uh, of course, whatever else it might be is weaved into that, but coordination and strength play such a dominant role in the early stages that as a pedagogical strategy, man, get that out of the way, okay? If we look at your person, you're plenty strong, so it's not that, okay? Um, you have good coordination. You had an athletic background before you got here, and you've just built upon that. So it's probably not that either, okay? But in a lot of cases, especially in the newer deshi, it, there, it's just too hard to filter how much influence, coordination, and strength is happening, okay? Um, if you look at what is going on from this overlay, can, can we now look at, let's say you have five extremities, okay? And they are currently not unified. Do you, got, do you understand? Uh, either two are doing their own thing or in, in this case, one is doing its own thing. Okay, so through this overlay, how would I understand that? Okay, and uh, and um, what is that work? What do you guys think? Come closer. What is that work? I have division. Do you see? I have separation. How do I find communion? There's only one way for a human being. To problematize the remaining aspects of fear. Okay, you could say it that way, right? There's more. There's some fear in there that's still present in me, um, uh, and we have had other talks where, how is that fear functioning in me, in my body, mind, on a regular daily basis? How is that fear functioning in me so that I sow division, experience the world dichotomously, etc.? What is that whole mechanism called? Yes, the ego tripartite, that first mind aspect, okay? And that is what's happening here. So we know other things about the first mind aspect. We know that our intellect is part of the first mind aspect. That's why, and language is part of the first mind aspect, do you see? Knowledge, first mind aspect, because it works through dichotomy. So when I'm here, I am trying to do this exercise at a 
that kind of mind aspect level, at the level of consciousness, at the level of my intellect, and it just can't be done. So let's go back to the instruction. You were told that you're doing corpse pose. Okay, what is corpse pose? What is it? What, what do you know about corpse pose? You're releasing in your entire body. Okay, you're releasing your entire body. And how? Um, by just letting go, by, by letting go of all of your muscles, uh, letting yourself sink into the ground. Okay, why do I have to call that corpse pose? Why can't I call that just relaxing? Do you, do you understand the question? Yes, I could have said, hey, just relax. But there's something more in corpse pose. What is, what is it? A death meditation? It's a death meditation. Do you see? It's a death meditation. It's a death meditation first and foremost. It's not a relaxation drill. It's a releasing of self drill. You see? And the releasing of self is the deconstructing of that ego tripartite. Throughout, throughout mystic history, there's moments where the master has just decided, I'm done. I did everything. I've shown everything. I'm done. And they enter a state of meditation and release themselves from their body. They die upright in the meditative posture. Gone. That's corpse pose. This is the death meditation that I say you should be doing every day. Because one day you're going to do it for real. You can either experience this huge amount of panic as the fear and the darkness overtakes you, or you can blend with it, unite with it through Aiki and through self-release, do you see? So when you do this exercise and you're moving beyond strength and coordination, it's a death meditation. You're going to release yourself, your attachment to self. You're going to do your corpse pose. And a certain feeling slash awareness comes into your body. And you keep that in your limbs. But you flex your center. You don't put tension in your limbs. You don't do anything with them. They're gone. They're dead. They're not yours. So this is why it is a mistake to consciously lift your shoulders or a part of your body, do you see? But when that limb disconnects as as a third or as one of the five extremities disconnects, do you see? 
It's almost the other side of the same coin. Meaning, it, it has that, it's, and it's impossible to understand from this physiological point of view, but from the point of view of unification and separation, from the point of view of these two forces, it, it makes sense. When I get out of my own way, when I do a death meditation, when I release, this unifying energy just takes over. I don't have to do anything. In fact, I have to not do something. I have to get out of the way. Then I flex that center and all four will move without me moving them. Or all five. But right now, one of them's dead. One, in a weird way, one has self in it. And that's why I say it's the same coin, it's just the other side. There's self in the, in the movement of like the shoulders before the rest of the body. Or self in the conscious movement of the leg. That leg from this religious overlay is separate. Because there's self in it. So your death meditation might be a very long time, especially in the beginning. But if you're skilled at Aiki, your, your death meditation, your self-release is sparked from a stone fast. And you can just pump these things out. And you're never ever feeling that intellect, that embodied intellect in your extremities. They're, they're just moving as a result. Okay. So I would go back then to fix this. I would go back to the death meditation part of this exercise and release, 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 release. Release self, not, not just release and to relax. Okay, That could be just self more, more self. Oh, I'm tired. I'm sleepy. Oh, I, uh, I have a hard day. I'm stressful. That could all be self-division. Just like when we say we love somebody, we have the discourse, but it's actually separation we're practicing. Okay? So I would go back to the, to the death meditation aspect of the drill and then just put my consciousness at this level in my center, boom, and flex it percussively, and those things will pick up. Okay? Again, as we do any drill that is based in self-release... Your ego is going to come in, okay? Your ego is going to come in and you're going to subvert the drill because the ego is part of the separating force. It is part of the fear. It's present in the universe. You're taken by it. But in the same way, as your ego comes in, your lack of faith comes in. It will come in because that too is fear-based. And so even in this very rudimentary, very simple exercise, it's not so simple because it's still dealing with the reconciliation of fear and faith, okay? But that's what makes it a great drill because no one's really trying to kill me. I don't have to deal with that. The cultivation requirement is not so high, but it is still potent enough that I can work on these main things, okay?
All right, let's try it a little bit more. Okay. So with this drill and with the first one, you already taught basically all of Ukemi, okay? For, especially the, for the back break fall. Meaning, head is off the mat, do you see? Um, the foot arm pattern that we're gonna end up utilizing. Um, head is not on the line of attack. There's an L-shapedness to your receiving of the force. Um, but you could also see, like all of Ukemi, the fear and the faith issues come into play. The tension comes into play, the separation, the disconnect, the disorder, the disorganization comes into play. The ego kind of uh, manipulation of the ritual comes into play, okay? So you can always just keep doing these drills to get you where you need to be, okay? Because pedagogically, as, as we up and move away from this, these two drills, uh, the darkness and the fear is compounded, and so the cultivation requirement is exponentially increased, but same with the skill requirement, and so you start to drop people as you're going along, okay? Um, so you can see, the, in other words, the body disorganization, the disconnect, the overflexion, it's already here. It's already here, okay? So this is where the deshi comes and meets the teacher. Because if you don't do that, then you force the teacher to say, we're going to hang out here and we're not moving forward. Do, do you get And then that, that, that's not good. But what you can do as the deshi is you can do these exercises. You can do one of them anywhere, right? The first one, anywhere at home, you can do those, that thing. You don't need the mat. You don't need the mat on the second one either. But you can show up a little early, hang out a little late, instead of, you know, socializing or taking 10 million years to tie your hakama and get on the mat. Hurry up and get a few reps of that in there, okay? And then the sensei can go on with the next steps in the back break ball, okay? Do, do you guys understand that? All right. All right, let's do the next steps. Okay, so those drills and those breakdowns I would consider to be the beginner pathway to the back break fall. And so you can get a lot of practice and introduce a lot of other martial elements. Like, for example, the triangle get up has nothing really to do with the back break fall, but it has everything to do with maintaining connection with Naga, not separation. It has everything to do with the martial concepts of not exposing your back, awareness up and out, low center as you're getting up. Do you see that? Uh, it also has everything to do with um, not being a jellyfish. 
Do you see the jellyfish, the tide just takes it wherever it's going. And so when people usually do and expose their back is they're just letting the inertia take them. Do you see? There's, that's not the agency of the warrior. The warrior follows a wisdom course. So there's no wisdom in exposing your back. Do you see that? So uh, the jellyfish, unlike the shark, just goes with the tide. Okay? You don't, you don't, you only, you swim where you need to swim. Do you understand? That's the shark analogy, not the jellyfish. So yes, there is a transfer of inertia, but you are transferring it in a totally martially unsound way. And that's just the non-warrior way of being. Okay? So you don't do that. So if you get the beginner up through all these drills, you can start introducing more martial concepts um, long before you start taking out the leg like we do here. Okay? Um, or long before, you know, they, they're not really doing anything other than the first drill. The first drill was uh, uniting and organizing their extremities to their center. That's all Uke does, okay? We're going to do the rest as Nage. Do you understand? Um, so even if we start taking out the leg or displacing um, their positioning with our positioning through Edimiyashi, etc., they don't do anything different than in the first drill. It's just harder to do because there's more... Uh, of the disruptive aspects of force and kokyu and things like that, okay? But get yourselves up to this spot, train the new deshi through these steps, you now have it, uh, and you can get a lot done this way, okay? Doesn't mean start sweeping the leg, Johnny, okay? All right, any questions or comments on either the sequence or the religious overlay. Yes. Sensei, um, for this last for this last pair drill, um, was there a or is there a uh, breakfall that we were taught or someone has shown us in the dojo where you're doing it on your own by exposing by not bending backwards but by doing that same exposure of the throat and center. Yeah, I think you can do this to a certain degree by yourself, but I think it's dependent upon your skill level in release is not as highly cultivated. So you can use those lesser environments to create uh, more skill and self-release. So you can do that same kind of belly, throat exposure. It basically, uh, if you think about it, I'm going to ask you a question right now, okay? Um, I said that this last drill is the first drill that you did, okay? What do you think that belly exposure, throat exposure, uh, give yourself over to them? What kind of meditation do you think that is? It's the death meditation. It's, it's the death meditation, do you see? So you can, to, you can individually in a solo practice uh, do a kind of death meditation from that position. You did one laying down flat on the mat, okay? However, what you'll see is, remember, it's the same in kind, but different in degree. That is a huge uh, maxim that you have to carry out, uh, you know, throughout, you, you have to carry that throughout your training, uh, your training career, okay? 
there's a there kind and degree can be of such distinction that we almost want to say these aren't the same thing okay so yes it is a death meditation uh, the same kind that you did when you were by yourself and laying on the ground but I'm telling you there's a whole other level of degree when you give your uh, control over to someone else and so in that sense anytime you're doing solo practice while it is the same in kind, it is very low in degree, okay? So maybe you use solo practice to get you uh, in the ballpark for paired practice, okay? Now, not a very common uh, view nowadays, but I, I, you can prove it left and right. Um, you know, like, especially in Aikido, uh, they do a lot of solo practice, emphasize solo practice. Like, for example, there's a lot of Joe forms and Bokken forms out there, and we don't really do them. Do, do you notice that? Uh, you can do all your freaking Joe forms and Bokken forms, uh, but it's an entirely different thing when my sword is coming at your head. Do you, do you get that? And so it is alike in kind, but different in degree, and different to such a degree that the same kind cannot perform at certain degree levels. Do you, do you get that? So, okay, fine. Use a solo practice. Do a moving death meditation in your solo back break fall practice. But just understand, it still might not transfer into the paired practice, okay? Just understand that. But it's this, it is alike in structure, okay? All right, anything else? Um, I think that first drill is huge, right? Sensei used to uh, make us do that drill. And I'll be honest, at first, I didn't under, like, well, what am I doing here, you know? Um, but you can see how over the decades I've gotten it to fit into this larger uh, sequential um, lesson plan such that that first drill is the last straw, okay? Just now done without our control, okay? And now you're closer to Kemi, okay? Um, remember my, my perspective on Ukemi is that, is that uh, Virgin Mary perspective. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be, okay? Let it be. This is, this is, the pros for the skill of self-release. Do you see? Self-release, self-release. is the same, let it be, let it be, okay? Too many times we, we want the control, we want the power, but we know that's all the ego tripartite. That will to power is functioning because it is at this moment experiencing the world as a threat, okay? And we accept that that is just one overlay, and I do not have to experience the world this way, okay? I can experience it this other way, through this other overlay, where there is light and darkness and communion and separation. And these are the very structures of the universe of which I am fully integrated within. So these are my structures as well, okay? Do you understand? Okay, thank you. This concludes this episode of Budo the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit 
ascensioncenter.com, S-E-N-S-H-I-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com, or find us at Facebook at Ascension Center and on our YouTube channel at Ascension One. Thank you for listening.